Section 89 of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 10. England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 89. The House of the Geraldines. By Justin H. McCarthy. By the beginning of the 14th century, the Normans of England had blended with the English, and the Normans of Ireland had blended with the Irish. England's only real authority in Ireland was over the district about Dublin, known as the Pale. In the effort to increase this authority, and to prevent the Normans and Irish from becoming one race, England passed the Statute of Kilkenny. By this statute, Normans were forbidden to speak the Irish language, and if a Norman followed any Irish custom or even wore the Irish dress, he was to forfeit his lands and suffer imprisonment. If he ventured to marry an Irish woman, the statute bade that his property should be forfeited and that he himself should be hanged, cut down, and disemboweled while yet alive. The most powerful of the Norman Irish families were the Geraldines, or Fitzgeralds, of Kildare, East Munster, the Butlers of Ormond, West Munster, and the Burks of Connaught. The Editor. The story of the House of Geraldine is one of the most romantic in all Irish history. The Geraldines were descended from the two brothers, Maurice and William Fitzgerald, who came to Ireland at the heels of Strongbow. Through varying fortunes, at one time the whole house was nearly exterminated by McCarthy Moore. They had risen to a proud position of rule in Ireland. They owned all the broad lands from Maynooth to Lixnaw. Their followers swarmed everywhere, bearing a G on their breast in token that they owed their parts to the Geraldines. After Bosworth battle had placed Henry the Seventh on the throne of Richard of Gloucester, the new king was too busy with his kingdom to give much thought to ireland the english colony was in a bad way there it was reduced to the county of dublin and parts of meath louth and kildare the greater part of the island was entirely in the hands of irish chieftains who exacted tribute from the english and scornfully set at naught the continued and meaningless renewals of the statutes of kilkenny henry at first left ireland alone he was ever content to leave the Geraldine control of the country unquestioned, although the Geraldines had been so defiantly Yorkist, and though not a few followers of the house had painted their own white roses red with their own blood on many an English field, they were Yorkist still. When Lambert Simnel came over to Ireland, pretending to be the son of false fleeting, perjured Clarence, the Geraldines rallied round him with warm support and sympathy. When this image of a king was swept from the throne to the kitchen, Perkin Warbeck took his place, claimed to be the Duke of York, whom Gloucester had murdered in the tower, and he, too, found Geraldine aid and maintenance. Henry had now learned something of the strength of Irish disaffection in the hands of the Irish chiefs, and prepared to crush it out more subtly than by the sword. We have seen what the Irish Parliament was like a poor thing enough in itself, but at worst containing the principles of a representative system. 
this system henry resolved to destroy three centuries had passed since the norman banners had first floated over the irish fields and in all that time no attempt had been made to force the english laws upon the irish sets or to interfere with the self-government of the norman settlers now in fourteen ninety four henry sent over sir edward poynings as lord deputy with an army at his back to change altogether the relationship between the two islands poynings summoned a parliament at Drogheda, at which the famous measure known as poynings act was passed this act established that all english laws should operate in ireland and that the consent of the privy council of england was necessary for all acts of the irish parliament these measures at once deprived ireland of all claim to independent government henceforward she was to be the helpless dependent of the conquering country but the loss of liberty did not destroy the irish desire for freedom it rather gave it an additional incentive to action ireland being thus soldered close to england henry was content to leave the government of the country in the hands of, of its most powerful man all ireland men said was not a match for the earl of kildare then let the earl of kildare govern all ireland said henry the seventh and gave the rule of ireland into its hands he had been the most potent spirit in ireland under the old system to confirm his power under the new seemed to the astute henry the surest means of securing his alliance and the quiet dependence of ireland his successor the eighth henry looked on the geraldine power with grave jealousy the control of the island was practically in the hands of the earls of, of kildare and their followers and was drifting day by day farther from the control and supremacy of england what use were the statutes of kilkenny and poignings acts if the country was under the command of an anglo-irish house who defied the authority of england his jealousy of the geraldines was fostered by wolsey who was considerably under the influence of the house of ormond bitter enemies of the geraldines gerald the ninth earl son of henry the seventh's deputy was summoned to england he was at once thrown into the tower and false news of his execution was sent to dublin his son lord thomas fitzgerald silken thomas as he was commonly called by his people from the splendour of his dress displayed no silken spirit he raised at once a desperate revolt against the king but his forces were shattered by the english artillery brought thus into irish warfare for the first time he and his five uncles were compelled to surrender they were sent to london to the tower where the earl of kildare had died of a broken heart and they were all hanged at tyburn only one of their kin a boy of twelve a son of the earl of kildare by his second wife escaped from the slaughter of his race to rome to found again the fortunes of his house end of section seventy two this recording is in the public domain